Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. Ideas can certainly shape markets, but more importantly, they can change the world. One of the things I've been tracking for some time, for those of you who have been listening, is the digital transformation of the security industry. In fact, the digital transformation in many different industries. And if you think about the disruptions that have occurred um, with, for example, the uh, taxi industry, the um, social media industry, the book selling industry, you'd want to probably have a seat at the table when I had a conversation with someone who actually were on those kind of teams that help disrupt specific industries. And then to have that person actually enter the security marketplace is fascinating. And we are catching up with a gentleman that I just met called, his name is Saurabh Bajaj, and he is the CEO of Swiftlane. Welcome, Saurabh. Thanks, Ron. Great to have, uh, great to be on the show. Saurabh is, also sits on a new working group with the Security Industry Association. He's going to bring his expertise and thought leadership into uh, intelligent critical communications in our industry. And I just met him the other day because I'm part of that working group as well. And he said something on that call that was absolutely fascinating. He said, Ron, we're at an existential moment in our industry. Tell me about what you meant by that. I guess the thought process that provoked that statement was uh, seeing the shift in how every industry is disrupted today with technology. Uh, both in a positive and a negative way. We're living in a world where we see uh, companies, technology companies disrupting not just traditional tech models, but other industry models. We've seen that even in security over the last four or five years, we've seen video surveillance massively growing with the advent of uh, you know, advanced machine learning and computer vision. We're seeing the same thing happen on access control and you know so many other problems like tailgating and whatnot. So uh, I think uh, in general, I see technology being a key accelerant for change and disruption. And I think physical security seems to have entered that phase in my mind. What are the leading indicators that that is true? A big shift that is already widespread that I see is video surveillance. You know, five years ago, we didn't really have edge computing on video surveillance. We didn't really see, you know, automatic and proactive detection of motion and intelligent bounding boxes around people and, and mitigate pre, proactive mitigation from the video surveillance side, right? Um, similarly, uh, we're seeing leading indicators in many other markets. One of the things relevant to the audio intelligence committee, uh, we all use home assistant devices that are voice activated. Uh, we're seeing computer vision being applied in uh, autonomous cars for letting cars drive themselves. So some leading indicators within security, but far more of those out in the other rest of the world and other industries. It must have been fascinating. I wish I would have been a fly on the wall during your um, investment presentations to start your company. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, because here's a guy who's sat at Instagram, Facebook, Lyft, been involved with machine learning uh, and driverless cars. And, uh, and, and, and suddenly you're talking to them about security. Tell me about that conversation if you can. What was the most interesting to them 
about yep. conversation with you? So in, in, in so many ways, I'm an outsider to physical security, right? I come from a traditional tech background. Uh, when I was working most recently at Lyft, I was part of the early members. Uh, I was one of the early members of the self-driving team building out their computer vision training systems, their sensor logging, allowing cars to collect data uh, in 360 camera view and trying to predict what's around it. Um, and one of the things that motivated my own pursuit of new problems was thinking how I can leverage my technical background to solve more problems in the real world. And what can I do with my background to accelerate positive use of technology in the world? Um, a lot of it was initially motivated by seeing use cases of new AI computer vision for mass surveillance. And that motivated me to think about what I can do to prevent privacy invading use cases and accelerate privacy oriented, uh, better experiences of new technology. Uh, in my mind, technology is not really good or bad. It's really the implementation and how we use it. Um, when you look at face recognition, for example, uh, face ID from Apple, people love using that, right? Everyone loves not having to remember to type in their pin or it's, it's more accurate and reliable than fingerprint. So it's very, very convenient and a delightful experience. But similarly, there's also the negative applications around mass surveillance that worry all of us. And instead of sitting on the sidelines, what can I do with my background? So that's more of the abstract thought process through which I started figuring out where can I make a positive change? Uh, with, with, with investors, how did I get to that? I started looking around the core problems that I'm seeing in the current infrastructure and the current built out world we live in. What are the problems that I'm seeing? What are the friction points I'm seeing and how can we solve those? And that got me into physical security. That got me thinking about, and I started talking to the security teams that I knew around the offices that I was working on. I started connecting with people in the Valley who are running large physical security teams, global operations for security and try to understand all the pain points that exist. And how can I apply my background to solve those problems? And, and you know, just went down that rabbit hole of going deeper and deeper and surrounding myself with the community of people who can define the problem and I can work on the solution and we can collaborate with our own strengths and context to solve those problems. Uh, Steve Jobs famously said one day that he doesn't like traditional product marketing, which had the task of collecting what users want and bringing it back to his developers. He said, uh, if we would have done that, we would have never been able to have breakthrough innovations. Instead, he wanted to study their behaviors. Mm -hmm. How do their people perform roles in a process using technology today or whatever they were using, right? And I thought that was fascinating. So you're, you've gone around to these teams, these security teams, and you've asked them about what their processes are, how, what are the right. and how is technology playing a role? What are the biggest problems you've seen so far in those security teams that they're facing? Well, I think this is not gonna be news to anyone that uh, in the physical security industry, right? Like I think the big problems that I noticed was very subtle friction points when a person's walking up to the door, they're getting annoyed while trying to find for their badge in their bag because they're fumbling for it or a security guard insisting that they tap their badge and they not hold doors for each other. 
you know, human nature is we're nice people. We want to hold doors for each other. So technology or the processes acting against it because it's a friction between convenience and security. In my mind, they're inversely proportional. And that's what we see when it comes to the real world as well. So how can we increase convenience while increasing security? That's a hard problem and typically not easily solved. So that's one of the examples of problems I noticed and see how we can solve that. That's brilliant. So if we don't want to buy in into this great thought experiment, we do not want to buy in that they have to be opposing forces, security, convenience, privacy. And, uh, and so even the name of your company imposes a different rigor on what the future uh, criteria for the solution security people need to achieve. That's right, yeah, Swift Lane. I mean, the, the, the name showcases the thought process behind what we're doing, right? It shows the, uh, it's about getting people where they wanna be, getting out of the way, um, focusing on the experience while also ensuring that security teams get the high security that they, they're looking for. Um, often, you know, when I speak to people in the industry, uh, one thing that the, I see people quoting is security has been about keeping the bad guys out. Uh, and in that pursuit of singularly providing high security, it has uh, convenience has taken a hit uh, and also experience has taken a hit. So can we combine the two? That's one of the problems we're trying to solve. Well, also it's been fairly pigeonholed too, even though it's broken out over the last five years, but you know, the camera's only used for incidents and not for anything else, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, it's finally breaking out of the closet and being used for other things besides just an incident. Right, exactly. And, and now we're maybe facing an inflection point for audio and voice as well. Uh, audio and voice has only been used to push a button to let somebody in the door. Right. And you see it being integrated just with video into all sorts of different applications. Now, tell me about some of the things you see that would be immediately applicable given this new scorecard, if you will, these new criteria for experience and convenience would be immediately deployable today and, and would even get better tomorrow. Specifically with audio? And video, yes. Well, I think the one big shift that we're living through right now is the switch from audio intercoms to video intercoms, right? And the second one unrelated topic is combining access and video surveillance so that you have the camera view tied into access control. That's something that the, the process has been there for a while, but the friction is going down in integrating camera view or video surveillance with access control. It's been something that generally has been desired for a long time, uh, but, but I think finally we're getting to a point because of cloud-based systems that the interconnectivity is easy and automatic rather than requiring complex integration. Then when you look at video intercom, we're living last year, my team did some analysis and found statistics that said $6 billion worth of estimated packages were stolen uh, across the US and about 30 plus million people reported a package missing or stolen. So delivery, you know, package volume has gone up. We're all working from home. Uh, everyone's getting work packages at home uh, and package theft has risen as a result of that too. So that's become a big problem. Audio, you know, a person could come up and say, hey, I'm a FedEx driver, let me in. 
there's no way to verify it. So that's why video has become important uh, in order to complement the audio piece of video of an intercom system. Uh, and then there's the whole set of like, I think we're at the very early stage of how can audio be applied uh, in security? Uh, that was one of the conversations that were that was that we had in the audio intelligence group, uh, right? Uh, I think we're seeing the disruption from audio in other industries. So many millions of homes use Google Home and Alexa as voice assistants, right? So it seems like there is an increasing desire within security to figure out how we can also solve some intelligent problems with audio, not just a dumb two-way messaging channel. So that I see that there's potential. Personally, I feel like we need to do more customer discovery to understand what problems do people care about that can be solved with security. Well, it's really interesting. I think this is going to be our challenge in the, uh, in the working group and for you vendors out there as well. And again, again it goes back to, uh, I'm going to call it trust, believability, and a willingness, um, a willingness to uh, forego um, the old ways of doing things. So what we do know today, right? What we do know today is we can't interact real time with a perpetrator in an incident. We can't do that because we don't have audio integrated with video across the campus. We don't. We only can see it on the screen and call a guard. Right. Right. So we yep. know we don't have that. So the, the question on the table is what's real, the lack of real time costing the organization. Right. And, and it's, and it's employees. I think it ties into the mitigation side of things uh, and prevention side of things. Uh, I've seen some trends in the industry around, attaching audio to the video camera so that you can have that audio communication with the, with the intruder in real time and, and mitigate an incident from becoming bigger or at the early, at the early stage as early as possible. So mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great point, Ron. I mean, I think that definitely seems to be an area either directly integrating into cameras or, or the area to add audio sensors for, um, communicating from your security team to an intruder. Well, and, and, and it could be not just incidents either. Yes. If I'm walking around the airport parking garage, obviously looking for a car, I forgot where I parked. And I see that on a camera, I can't talk to them, but I could help. It's customer service at that point. Right. 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 So that, that's sure. pretty powerful. And then you combine everything. So you've collected the license plate recognition when the car went into the garage. So you know where that thing's parked. You have a yep. geolocation where you can help direct it through a, a mobile device. The customer direct it to his, you know, you could do some amazing things, but we have a lack of integration. I believe we have a lack of imagination on how to use these things. I think that's where your point uh, is super valid, which is, thinking and understanding behaviors from customers and then applying our security mindset, our technology mindset to identify how to solve or improve those behaviors. Uh, users are not gonna know, they can't, they're not, the way I see it, end users are not product managers. 
they can't accurately summarize what they want to you, right? Uh, they can only show how they do, th do things today. It's up to us to go and pay attention to those behaviors, keep a strong pulse on that, and then apply our technology and industry background to solve those problems. And data, data as one, uh, one of our uh, CSOs said at one of the great conversations, data is the new oil. Right. And, and so these sensors are gonna pick up on things. What, how can we use that data in a more clever way so that it, it learns us over time and can help make those recommendations in the future? Let's have 100%. Some, let's, let's, let's have some fun, Saurabh. Let's have some fun. Um, let's imagine, uh, and all of you security professionals love to hear from you. I'm sure Saurabh would too, but let's just, let's just grab a few words that would be criteria we can use to guide us. The first one is we, we need to know from you what your core processes are and what your metrics are around them. So then we can understand velocity to outcomes, okay? Mm. So we have that. What we need to know is, uh, what we need to do with that is create solutions that are as intuitive as calling an Uber. I don't wanna go through a dispatcher at the right. GSOC, at the GSOC, right. right? So what can I do that's more intuitive, that's easy, that's one button push, real time, and you brought up something the other day, has to be touchless now. Right. That's where voice could play a big role. Huge. I think uh, with respect to interface, voice has a huge advantage compared to digital touchscreens or buttons. Uh, and that advantage is supporting multiple languages off the bat. You don't have to have a language selector. You could literally, someone could start speaking and you could inter, uh, identify what language that's in and immediately provide support or interfaces in that language. And that's powerful. You can't do that without, if your display shows English text, then you have to show a globe icon where the person needs to know to click on that and change language to Spanish or whatever, and be able to then update the interface. Whereas language, it's fluid. So can you use that advantage of audio over any other format to quickly relate and create seamless experience for anyone, especially airports. Think about airports. You're looking at dozens of languages often. So that's where it could really stand out over display interfaces. Well, you, you've articulated very well. We we've have some keywords here. We have seamless, we have intuitive, we have secure, we have uh, data at the edge from uh, a new sensor-driven world. And, uh, and most importantly, convenience, which you call in your messaging frictionless. Mm -hmm. Something that is, and I love that because I'm an X6 Sigma guy, anything that slows me down from the outcomes right. I'm trying to achieve uh, yes. can, can be improved over time. And it's just not a matter of time too, right? Like time is just one factor. We're people. There is, a, every time you have a bad interface, it creates microaggression it creates a poor experience that frustrates someone and you're taking one, you're getting one more strike against the experience, right? So often our, we make decisions based on the emotions that a certain product or interface uh, brings up. 
not based on the overall list of features, right? At the end of the day, the list of features is good for the sales, early sales, but when you're looking at day-to-day experiences and if you wanna build a customer following, everything should be delightful and easy uh, for things they're trying to do. And you can't really, it's not as simple and high level as saying these three things are needed. It's, a, it's far more subtle and that's where the difficulty arises. You have to observe your customers. You have to have a strong pulse on what they're doing, how they're doing things, who's the person interacting with your system that you're developing and what are their frustrations and things that they love. And that's the hard part. You can't really generate aggregate metrics easily for all these things. Sometimes it's a lot of micro interactions that can only be seen one-on-one or so it makes it extremely unscalable uh, as a process. So there's definitely challenges in doing that well. And often big data is not the solution to some of these problems, unfortunately. And I co- coming from a guy who spent a lot of time, his whole life working on data. Uh, I feel like when it comes to product iteration, you need both quantitative and qualitative data uh, in order to make those decisions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm smiling now. No one will see this because yeah. this isn't a, a podcast, but I'm smiling now because yeah. what I just heard, and I'm sure most yes. of you just heard from Sarab, is that, is that the very user interfaces to our security solutions today may be causing microaggression with, with our employees and our customers. Yep. That's, that, that's, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? Right. <laughs> uh, this has been a great conversation with Saurabh, and we're going to hear a lot more about him in the future as he and others with this kind of background are going to change the face of our industry. Um, Sarab, uh, I always ask at the end of a conversation, who would you like to listen to in the next great conversation? You have any ideas at this point? Um, Could be anyone I you would know like to, or don't know. I wanna listen to an end user with a really big problem in security. I wanna, talk, I wanna hear from people who are hitting issues at scale who can, who can be a massive representation of customer's voice. It could be a single person that has, that has a significant role in a big type of environment, or it could be a panel of people with the same set of problems overlapping with each other. That's, that's what I feel like we need to continue to do because I feel like it's important to keep a pulse on our end users. And actually I have another thought. I would like what I, you know, we talked earlier how decision-making is changing in security. CISOs are getting involved. IT team, facility team is heavily involved in security decisions. I want to hear from those roles, not just security professionals. I want to step out and talk to the other people who run the workplace experience, who run the facilities, who run the IT teams and understand what's their point of view. Have you considered their point of view while designing your system? Because they're, they might be behind, behind the email chain. They might not be visible to you. Sometimes they would be, other times they wouldn't. But I feel like we need to learn more about that, their, their personas and what they're looking for. Great challenge. I'll, yeah. take you, I'll take you up on that challenge. This Perfect. has been a great conversation with Sarah Bajaj of Swift Lane and uh, and we wish him well in the future. Thank you. Thanks for hosting, Ron.